welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, September 21st, 2022, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Today, we are so excited to continue our series that we've been doing on our global partners, and especially in light of the global conference that we were able to share together in July of 2022 in Dubai, where we were able to have uh, men and women, uh, believers in Christ Jesus, come together from many different nations, about 17 different nations, and to come to Dubai as we celebrated what the Lord is doing, but but also sharpened one another. And the, the man that we have here today uh, was one of the ones that really just started off the conference uh, with a bang as he was talking about the gospel that has been entrusted uh, to us. Uh, uh, Petri Groza is a man of God, uh, an excellent communicator, and he also re- leads the Regen Foundation uh, in Fagarash, Romania. Uh, Petri is the father of three girls. And he has a passion to invest in the underprivileged by sharing the gospel and bringing hope. He has a VA in business administration and an MA in transformational leadership from Bethel Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. He preaches and teaches at Bethany Baptist Church, his hometown, where he is a part of the leadership team. And for the past 20 years, he has been involved in ministry by reaching out to the Roma communities around his area and creating opportunities for education amongst vulnerable children. And some of these activities of the Region Foundation are homework clubs, summer camps, scholarships, training, act- training events for workers and children with special needs, and so many others, and Petri and his uh, wife, Kyle, do a great job both leading their family, but also leading, and most recently, uh, Petri and Kyle and their girls have had 23 Ukrainian refugees uh, in in their home and in their property as they are caring for them and caring for those partners uh, who have been displaced. And so before we bring on Petri and Dr. Rick, I wanna remind you about parent coaching Uh, Parent coaching is a service that's available for any parent who needs additional insight into their child's behavior and tools for how to navigate those issues. This coaching takes place in approximately 45 to 60 minute sessions, and it's filled with proven tools and techniques to use in building additional strengths in parenting. They are tailored to each family specific need. So see our show notes or visit lifelinechild.org backslash parent-coaching. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash parent-coaching for more information and to be connected with a Lifeline staff member. And before we go away from parent coaching, I do want to remind you, especially here in the South part of the United States of America, we are right in the throes of college football. And even in college football, we know everybody needs a coach. Every position needs a coach. Uh, Every side of the ball needs a coach and everybody needs a head coach. Uh, Maybe you're in a position right now where you need a coach to help you with parenting. Parent coaching is an excellent resource for you. So see our show notes or go to lifelinechild.org backslash parent dash coaching. Well, we say it every week, but this is the time that people literally wait for. I'm sure many people probably fast forward to get to this point, And that's when we get to bring in uh, the venerable Dr. Rick, uh, the big shot at Lifeline, the one that everyone knows, the author of so many books, no one can count. And of course, the author of books that every time I've been in Eastern Europe, I've seen a copy in that language that has been brought to me. Dr. Rick, grateful to have you on, bro, and grateful to be with Petri. You know, I don't have a single book in Romanian, so we need to we need to fix that. 
because uh, I can't. But then I couldn't even read it as well. So that's that's part of the you know, I guess that's part of the fly in the ointment. I you know I'm really um, today just um, very happy to get to have this conversation. Um, Petri is one of those people that um, I just smile every time I see him, and it's the the joy of the Lord is just all over him, and uh, and and such a uh, just such an incredible, delightful brother, and uh, and and a guy that uh, that just loves Jesus passionately, and it and and he that wears that on his sleeve, and and so we, you know, several weeks ago got the opportunity to be together, all of us in Dubai, and it was it was really good medicine for the soul. I think to, to for us, uh, we we've all been at a distance for a long time because of COVID and and the circumstances in the world, and um, and and. Petra, you guys have have lived through um, quite a lot of change. Not only COVID, but then uh, a war in Ukraine that has dramatically shifted um, the things that are um, the things that are normal, right? In in your ministry, and and so first of all, welcome to the podcast. Um, we're just we're so thankful that you're here. Um, but maybe maybe start off this morning, and we'll we'll kind of go back. I know you've you've been on the podcast before, but for those that are new listening to us, um, maybe you could start just by talking a little bit about um, about your family, you and Kyle, and your girls, and 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 the ministry that the Lord has given you um, there with with your church, and and then with Regen. Yes, hello, and uh, thank you so much for inviting me to this podcast. Um, I, I wanted just to say that I would come uh, to this podcast just because of the way that you, Dr. Rickarin, are uh, describing people, you know. So the introduction you, you did for me is like, I would come back just for that part, you know, <laughs> anytime. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it is a pleasure to be with you today. And um, just to share a little bit about my family, um, I think Herbie already mentioned a little bit about our family, but um, our, we have three girls and our oldest one, Lydia, she's 16, going on 17 almost. And then we have Miriam and uh, she's uh, 15 almost. Um, and then Sophia and she's 13 almost. So um, we're in the stage where there are many challenges, I think, having teenager, teenage girls um especially teenage girls i don't know how it is to have a boy but um it's it's pretty fun to have girls especially when they're teenagers but we praise god that uh, he continues to give us strength wisdom uh, patience love for them and i think that's uh, also part of our ministry i would say uh one important part of our ministry is to to be here for our girls and uh, as far as our ministry god has given us a lot of opportunities to serve here in Romania, in the center, uh, the exact center of Romania, actually, our town is called Fagarash, and the, the the place of Fagarash is actually in the exact center of Romania. Uh, something that changed just recently. Uh, before it was a different uh, part, uh, just a couple of kilometers from our town, but now it is here. And uh, in the center of of uh, Romania, we are trying to be a witness. We are trying to. Um, share the gospel with people we are trying to model the gospel to the people that we work with we our hearts are to really connect them to the gospel and and see change uh, done by the gospel in their lives and also then to see them connected to um, a local church uh, either being the one where we go and where i serve 
or not necessarily any other evangelical churches in town. Uh, one interesting fact just about our team is that uh, in our team we have uh, people from three de- three denominations. So we have Baptists, we have Orthodox, and we have Brethren. Uh, so, and now we we say the joke is that we need a Pentecostal too, and then they will make it complete because uh, that's that those these are the main uh, denominations around our area. Uh, so. Anyway, we, we try to, to share the gospel with the people. We try to uh, do that by uh, connecting with them and, and building relationship with them. And we do that by finding what their needs are. So one of the needs that we've seen over, over the years is that children needed help with uh, their school work and also with their education um, abilities, I, w- I would call it. Um, so then that's where we, we started this program called the Homer Clubs. And uh, we we would go to the villages and to the Roma communities and kind of help children with their homeworks. And then we realized, well, we can't ho- help them with their homeworks because they're way behind. And then we started like progressively um, investing the children, get to analyze where they are, uh, do analysis, you know, where the, le- the level of their education is. And then uh, we are now sort of, trying to aim to help each of the ch- children that we work with in a personal way, because each one of them are a different level. It doesn't matter which grades they are in, uh, they need uh, personalized help. So uh, we're working hard on, on seeing progress on this category of education, basically, uh, while, of course, our focus is uh, to, to share the gospel through everything that we do. So we focus on Bible lessons every time we go, um, and uh, we sing songs with them. We try to build relationship with the children and, and also with the parents. Uh, we reach out to, I don't know, over 150 before children maybe in all our locations. Um, we touch uh, this number of, of children. And plus, we also try to um, work with the, with the parents of the, of the children. Uh, we also have a center, a transition center, and that's uh, where we've uh, hosted now uh, probably over 150 Ukrainians. Uh, if I if we include everyone that came uh, to the camps, you know, the Ukrainian camps this this summer. Actually, I did not do the calculation. I didn't did not do the math yet to see exactly how many. I know I know that we had about 60 that went through our center and stayed uh, just for a period of time. Some are still here, like a family. She's they're going now on their fourth month of staying at our center, so, and um, some moved away, moved uh, on to other countries. Uh, but if we add uh, the probably hundred and twenty, or actually more than that, I don't know. I have to ask uh, how many Ukrainians we had at our center. Uh, for the camps, uh, then we would be over 150, over 170 probably uh, people, Ukrainians that went to our center so far. And so we've been blessed to to uh, be part of this ministry too. Um, just sharing what, we, what God has entrusted us, the resources that we received. Uh, of course, Lifeline also played a, an important role in, in helping us, sending us aid, sending us finances and uh, that we were able to just pay our bills and feed them and close them and everything that they needed we provided for them for the whole time that they were here with us so i think this is probably in a nutshell there's way more to to add but i think this kind of describes in a nutshell what region is or does 
Yeah, and I, Patrick, I think even as you're describing, I know that you and Kyle and Region have had such an impact on the Roma population there in, in Romania. But maybe for people who've never been to Romania or who have heard of a gypsy population, can you just give us a background on how how are certain people labeled as gypsy? What is that Roma population? And why is it so ostracized um, in so many communities in Europe? Yeah, um, I think I would, if I would start to talk about this, I, I will, in my mind, I have a certain community, a certain neighborhood that we work in. Um, in Romania, there are different types of uh, gypsies, of Roma. Um, so the type that we work with are the ones that are the most poor um, and the ones that I would say they're most discriminated against. We have some Roma that are uh, just better off in a sense. I mean, we have Roma actually that have like bigger houses than mine or they have huge palaces and stuff in certain parts of the country. But the ones that we reach out to are the ones that are um, very uneducated, very poor, um, lack of any uh, stability as far as family life. And um, so it's in Romania, basically we have neighborhoods that are made specially for, for the, for the Roma communities. Um, they are pushed sort of like outside of the, of the city, the outskirts of the city. And, uh, in that neighborhood, really, people from the town, they don't go. They, they are afraid to go in those neighborhoods. Um, something that we believe and we think that uh, we, we see some progress or some encouragement for us is that we can go to those, to that, those neighborhoods without any problems. We, we go there and people welcome us. And, and kids on the street, they come to my window. Hey, Petri, Mr. Petri, hello. And so they're glad to see us there. And um, in, in the same neighborhood, uh, they show on the news and uh, on, on social media, so-and-so came out with a sword and killed, stabbed someone else. And, and so there, there are very bad things happening in those neighborhoods due to a lot of alcohol, alcohol abuse, basically. Now also it looks like in Romania there's, there are drugs coming up. Uh, not so much, I guess. I did not hear so much yet in the Roma communities just because, I guess, drugs are more expensive. Uh, to, to purchase, but alcohol is a, it's a big problem, and and not even alcohol. And sometimes they just they're violent. They this is their way of communication. So they just fight between them. They uh, fight between groups in the same neighborhood, and and it is a, a tough tough place to be. So this is the type of the of Roma that we work with basically. Um, they a lot of them they don't have um, a work, or if they do. Uh, they don't really like to have a um, long-term job, but they just get a little bit of work and then they don't want to work anymore. Uh, they try to go outside of Romania if they can to work for like a month or two, and make uh, enough money so that they can last for a few months without working then uh, here back in their in their town. Um, so I think that would be a good description. Uh, another thing that I want to add is that, as I said, family families are very, very dysfunctional in, in these neighborhoods. Uh, and this is probably a good description of the Roma communities. Um, the figure of the father is, they're very patriarchal, um, which is not necessarily bad, but when it becomes like a, a abusive patriarchal, you know, environment and context, that's, that's a big issue because there's a lot of violence in family. So uh, the wives are, are getting beat up big time by the husbands, children. 
are getting beat up, and we can we can see this firsthand. We we've we've uh, sheltered, um, you know, a mom and daughter and granddaughter for a couple of days because they called us, hey, we need a place because he's beating us, and we have to get out of the house right now. And it's just not it's not just one case, but it's a few cases that we've uh, we've done that. We've used our center too for that reason. We've used also our house, and we have a little apartment behind our house and. Um, so this is just a short description, I think, of the um, of the communities that we, the Roma communities that we work in. So, Petri, you talked about in in the various things that Regen is is doing to connect with the community and and to share the gospel. Um, you talked about the homework clubs and and really kind of focusing on ministry to children in. Uh, in in the in the way that you're trying to bring the gospel to bear in in the community, and so could you talk a little bit, maybe in a little more detail, um, about how uh, like like how the church is able to come alongside and and use education and use engagement with children as a way to put the gospel on display in in your community? Yes, um, we use education uh, as a means to be there basically um it's not it's not our main calling and it's not it's actually not easy you know to work with a bunch of children that don't really have uh, a lot of desire to excel and to learn and to study in school it's it's actually like a very hard one of the hardest jobs uh, and i i don't get to go too much anymore you know and then we have bianca bianca she's the one the coordinator of the program and I know that it's hard. She shares with us, oh, that kids come and they make noise and they don't want to do anything that she's asking them to do. So basically education is a way, is the means that we get to the communities. Um, we have access there. Uh, and, and it's also a way that we know that we are providing a future for, the, for those kids. If they manage to, to um, listen and to do the, the chores that are given to them. Uh, but the the main focus is of course uh, bible lessons and and this is what we do we we go there we start and and every location we go to four locations basically and every location uh, had to be personalized has had to be co- contextualized because uh each location like in in mundra it's a village we have a group of teenagers uh, and they are maybe uh, better off as far as education so we we don't really have to uh, do too much for them as far as education. So what we do there is basically just have a Bible lesson, a Bible story for them, uh, discussions with them on biblical uh, topics, you know, asking them, okay, how, how, how can we apply this at school? How can we apply it in your family? How can we apply it uh, after we go through, I don't know, the story of David or Joseph and, and so on. Um, sometimes, you know, if they're younger kids, we give them something practical to do, uh, to color a color sheet, coloring sheet. Uh, we also do sing songs with them, something that they like to do. Um, so, and then we have other places like Twarkla community where actually they need educational help. The, the children um, ask for that. They want some of them. They actually want to be good in school, and some of them they actually are good in school. I, we we don't want to say that it's just because of what we're doing there, but we hope it it it, it does help what we do there. And we have some uh, very good uh, success cases, let's say, as far as education goes. But as I said, each place uh, we have to 
personality. So we do some education and then we do some Bible lesson or we do just the Bible lesson and sing songs and crafts and all that. Some, we try to do both, but it's so hard to do it because it's chaos. You know, It's chaotic. It's a small room that we have. And um, yeah, you'll have to come and do it. So to experience it, you know, <laughs> we invite you to come. And I think, you know, one of the things, Petri, that just kind of, I, I think is part of the the, the thing that I want folks to understand is that that you you're giving a constant presence for the gospel in these communities and in a world where many if not most of these kids really lack consistency and they really lack someone who is kind of a stable permanent reliable figure in their in their lives that that what's happening through the ministry of region is people are coming who are, stable and reliable and regular and continue to come back and continue to invest in them. And, and that, that part of the hope, you know, for the future in this is, um, giving them a view of the gospel that's reliable and stable and, you know, points to Christ in that way. And, and I, I just love the fact that, um, that it, it's sort of, you know, rain or shine, um, you know, convenient or not, like you, you continue to go back, um, week in and week out, month in and month out. And, and the body of Christ is making this kind of investment through, through region. And I think I also just kind of want to point out, um, that that's a way that, that partners from the U S can get involved is to come and to help you to build capacity and help you to, to help, um, help folks be able to, um, have the resources and and have the training and the things that they need in order um, to to be able to continue that ministry and and so I just want to commend you because I because I think there is a you've identified a, a very tangible need in those communities but have leveraged it to its fullest to to be able to put the gospel on on display. Um, how how has the the war in Ukraine? Um, and, and the the impact of the influx of refugees into Romania, how has that changed ministry for you and and for Regen in the midst of uh, what's already an incredibly busy ministry and an incredibly busy schedule? Um, just tell us a little bit about about the dynamics today as a result of the things that the Lord's brought to your doorstep. Uh, yes, thank you for this question. I'll try to hold on to this question. Just, I want to just mention something to what you said be- before about people coming um, and about us being our gospel presence in all those places where we work. Uh, I think for us, a very good uh, sign that we are present there as believers is that when we come, even though sort of like we try to tell the the children to that we are a region foundation working and helping them just because they don't they sometimes there's there's a, this shame that when they're they're associated with the evangelicals in Romania so then we said well you can say the region is coming you're coming to region and working you know not to like a church evangelical church and stuff uh, but still when we come to the to the places where we work uh, they say oh the repenters are coming you know so that's still a good sign because this is how they see us. They see us as the repenters. Uh, that's a derogatory term used by the Roma- most of Romanians and uh, towards us. But still, the children, this is how they, they define the place that they're going to. They said, 
oh, we're going to the repenters, you know, even to their parents. That's what they, they, they say. And as far as the, the teams coming, I, I, I want to say this before COVID. Yeah, of course we had, we had some teams coming and, and I would, I uh, experienced firsthand the benefits uh, for the people that would come from outside when they come and see where we work, when they come and see the lives of these people, um, they go back changed uh, from the young to the old. Uh, they, they go back just with a different perspective over, over the different contexts. And, and, uh, and also, of course, it, it is a very, very big help for us because they bring something new and the kids are so excited to see foreigners, someone that speaks a different language and that came from so far. And that it's always like a boost for our ministry when we have uh, new people coming from, especially from the outside. Okay, now to move back to move to your to your question about uh, Ukraine and how that affected um, uh, our our situation. I think uh, that I would I would describe it in one sentence: our team feels lonely uh, or disconnected, let's say, uh, because a lot of the heavy weight of the Ukrainians being here had had to be taken by myself and my wife, uh, which before we would sort of be. Together with a team, we would help and uh, you know be part of what they were doing. But now, because since the Ukrainian um, war started, then we were just busy um, so much with the with the Ukrainians because we've had them stay at our center, uh, and then my wife goes with the ladies to do shopping, um, and then she we I had to do paperwork for them. I had to make sure that, you know, we knew exactly what they needed to do to, to be here in Romania legally. Uh, after a period of time, we had to take them to an immigration uh, office where they got some Romanian papers. Um, and I also had to do all the um, um, connection with getting supplies that we needed. Um, so there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of things that needed to be done uh, in connection with the cent- with the Ukrainians. And also as far as like taking care of the center too. We had to buy new washing machines, which I had installed, and and uh, some of them broke, and I had that we they were older, and I had to buy new ones and install them. And um, faucets breaking, you know, sewage getting plugged up, plugged up, and and things like this that took a lot of time uh, from me and and from um, my wife. Uh, so I, I would say that that's that's probably the main um, issue that that we saw since uh, since we had the Ukrainian um, project added to, to our programs. Yeah, so Petri, I know even as you talk about the ministry to the Ukrainians, a lot of folks that are probably listening to this podcast, you know, they've seen a little bit about the Ukrainian conflict online or, or maybe on the TV, but you've had you've had it really come into your life. And, and you talk about even the effects of, of just the, the rhythm with you and your wife. What have the... What are the things that you've learned about the struggle of the Ukrainian people during this conflict just by viewing those that have come through the center? Yeah, uh, just last night, actually, we I was talking to my wife and we were at the center uh, spending some time with uh, some of the Ukrainians. And uh, we are finding new things every time we talk to them. Um, and one of the things that we found out uh, from one of the families that when they left Ukraine, uh, they crossed the border and they had no idea where they were going. They didn't know where they're coming. They didn't know they were coming to us, to Bucharest, to another place. Uh, there was so much uncertainty in their lives uh, that it was it was like so hard for them to take. Um, 
Another thing, uh, just also the other day, I was talking to some of the Ukrainians that are, are at our center. Uh, they were telling me that they heard a door being shut harder and there was like this big bang noise. And so they said that they were scared. They, they jumped. Also, we, I, we took them up by some beautiful mountains around our area here and they saw a drone flying over, uh, which was just a recording and stuff. They, they, they shared with me that when they heard that noise of the drone, they, they were shivering or they, they started, you know, being scared because they, they associate the noise of the drones with something else uh, from, from Ukraine. Um, we've had also people at our center, or we still do, that had problems with uh, depressions, with um, psychological issues, you know, as far as like um, maybe the fear of the unknown, um, being away from home, being away from their husband, um, which uh, for some of them, for some of them, we had to actually get them in touch uh, to get also some medical uh, help um, as far as that goes. Um, so I think there are so many, so many cases. Right now, we keep in touch also with uh, some of the families that stayed at our center, moved on to Croatia. Um, they uh, are going through some very difficult, hard times right now in Croatia. Um, after all, leaving together parents and daughter and, and son and all that uh, to a different country. Now they're the father, the older person has cancer. He was just discovered with cancer in, in a terminal phase. So I, if I think about, you know, what they're going through, uh, I, I always try to put myself in their shoes. Uh, I also meant I, I had the, the opportunity to go to Odessa and spend there a few, a few days in Ukraine, I was there for four days, and I got to hear the the sirens, you know, uh, sound sounds, uh, and it is it is not it is not hard, it is not easy to be there. I was on the street when the siren started, and I was like, okay, what if a rocket falls on me and stuff? So um, I try to to put myself in their shoes, and um, I can't even imagine how hard it is for so many of them. Well, and I think. You know, Petri, it, it is um, it, it's it's such an amazing ministry that the Lord has has given you and and given Kyle and the the people that are a part of Regen and a part of your church to to pour into the lives of um, so many people that are are hurting and have have lost so much and but to do that in a way that presents the hope of the gospel and to do that in ways that um, as you come alongside and as you're as you're serving and as you're even opening your home and, and opening your life to people um, that the, the the center point of that is 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 pointing people toward toward Jesus and and so um, just so incredibly thankful for uh, the ministry that the Lord has given you and the way, that, that you have been able to walk out through these, these difficult times. And, you know, I, we have just, as I, you know, as we said at the beginning of the interview, um, we've all just come back uh, over the last several weeks from an opportunity for, uh, for all of us to be together in Dubai and to have uh, more than 75 believers from over 16 countries coming together. And the thing that, that, bound us all together, um, is the gospel. 
and and it's the call of of Christ to care for the vulnerable in His name, but ultimately to to magnify the the work of Christ. And and so, I it, what talk about the experience of the the global conference and and where we just all were. What did what did the Lord do? Um, kind of in you and in your heart and maybe try to describe that experience a little bit because we've talked and, and have talked several times here on the podcast about the uh, about the meaningful nature of the things that God did but I'd, I'd love for you to be able to just kind of share you know your your experience and, and your you know your thoughts yeah the Dubai experience was uh, one of the highlight for us for uh, at least for myself and my wife. Uh, first of all, we got to spend some time together, just the two of us, which was a blessing for us, you know, <laughs> doing, especially uh, going through the motions and with so much stuff going on and children at home and, you know, camps and all kinds of activities are around. You, you get so busy and so tired of, of the ministry that I think when you take some time off away, uh, and especially just husband and wife, I think that's, it was such a, such a blessed time for us. and. Uh, it was a blessed time also spiritually for us. It was an encouragement uh, to be there, to to hear the gospel, to uh, share with others and, and listen and learn from others from um, that are also in ministry. Um, so I think we came, we came back home uh, with uh, new strength, I, I would say so. And, and I can say this also in, in the name of my wife because she, she was sharing this with me on, on the plane coming back home. She was just saying like, oh man, this was so good. So it's so good just to be um, in in the word, you know, be with brothers and sisters. It was fun to be also with different types of brothers and sisters. Uh, that was that was interesting when uh, to just uh, see different contexts and um, and uh, experience new things. Maybe at least for me, I don't know uh, that that we did there at uh, at the conference. And, and also, I really enjoyed, I think, myself to c- connect with new people that maybe I've heard of, that I knew about. And just, I got to talk to them. I got to, I don't know, share about our ministry and they share about their ministry. I got to pray with some of them, you know. Um, and so I think it was, it was just an awesome time for, uh, for us to be, to be there in Dubai. And it's because of events like this and this global network that, uh, that Petri and Kyle and his family and team are even able to minister to Ukrainians. It's through these global networks that we make these connections that the body of Christ continues to grow and the body of Christ continues to work together and to strengthen one another. And what a beautiful time and uh, grateful for Petri being on this podcast today on the Defender Podcast. The one thing I do want to let everyone know that they've missed is that Petri has one of the best sense of humors of anybody that I know uh, he is serious and he loves the Lord and uh, he takes that serious, but he doesn't take himself too seriously, uh, which was great. Even having uh, him just just really even lighten the mood at times during the global conference as well. So we're grateful for Petri. We're grateful for the work the Lord is doing through region and uh, what's happening in Romania. And we're thankful for this podcast and opportunities to display our partners and the work that they are doing. So when you pray for Petri, would you consider the ways that you can give to the work that they are doing? And will you share the story of what's happening in Romania? Thank you for joining us for the Defender Podcast. We will see you again next week.
Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.